0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Kickabout. It was a very pivotal day at the bottom of the table this weekend. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Dan. And
1: I'm Fran.
0: Different order, Ooh, that's, that's other way around. It was, yeah, we've been mixing it up. Variety way. is the spice of life, <laughs> as they say. Um, we should, shall we start with the sob story? Maybe I'll put some music on the back to this <laughs> as we go.
1: Dan, what happened? Dan,
2: talk to me. Um, yeah, I put my life on the line for... So. <laughs> <laughs> Way Valley at the weekend. Um
1: yeah. lost a leg. <laughs>
2: lost a leg in the process. Yeah. Saving a child from a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them what actually happened then. <laughs> uh so I've what have I done? Potentially I've t- yeah, well I've torn my PCL um and potentially ruptured my ACL. Lovely. In my right
0: knee. Uh, with both of our, both of the teams you play for in semi-finals of cups, yeah, um, with you being the top scorer and um, yeah, you know, being quite an important player in our mm. team, um, so yeah, not ideal, but it does mean we've had to adjust the studio slash my front room um, <laughs> to accom- <laughs> accommodate uh, Dan's uh, new injury by just having somewhere to place his now s- nicely strapped up leg. So do send your sympathies in. Um. And, uh, yeah, we wish you, wish you all the best, mate. Thanks. And uh, I would like to mention the heroic acts of myself taking you to hospital. Yeah, I do appreciate <laughs> it. That's all right, mate. I did have to basically leave him there as soon as I got there, but <laughs> just literally dumb to it. I couldn't believe that you've never been to hospital. You had to be registered yeah. when you got there. And, yeah, I'm just like, all right, okay, see you later. Then.
1: <laughs> the podcast did well because the other podcast member came and picked you up. So
0: mm. <laughs> Yeah, the kickabout looks after his brother. <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: to go to McDonald's.
0: On the way home. Yeah. Oh, you could have told me that I was going to come with you. I have, <laughs> if I'd no, I I have known have, there was a McDonald's I in your office. I was like, no point, both going. <laughs> could have got a
1: McDonald's out of it. Well, drive through need... was shut as well. I had to park up, I had to oh, go in. Mate.
0: Well, you need to be a bit more thorough with your explanations in the future, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the show. Uh, and as always, we are still going to have this. <laughs> Down the stat, man.
2: Uh, so Tottenham's Dejan Kulusevski, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, so not bad. Not bad go. I'll say that. Was the fourth Swedish player to score on his first Premier League start, but can you name the other three? Oh, uh, one's got to be obvious. Yeah.
1: <sighs> mm, yeah. I can, on. Gi-
2: I can give you the dates, which might help, but not. So the earliest one was 1999. Okay. I've if you get that one. Uh, the second one was 2008.
0: I've got a couple of Swedish players in my head that I know have played for okay. good teams in the And Premier the League.
2: one you probably know is 2016.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we all, probably most people listening to this are going to know what one yeah. that one is. So anyway, let's uh, let's get on with the show. As always, we'll have that answer later. We still have the quiz later as well, so I don't think Dan's getting out of the forfeit. Uh, <laughs> and if you need surgery, that opens up a world of possibilities <laughs> for, for forfeits if I can chuck the surgeon a couple of quid. Um, We're going to start tonight with what was, as I said in the intro, a pivotal weekend in the relegation fights with big results for pretty much every team down the bottom bar Norwich, who even themselves at one point looked like they might upset the apple cart by taking something out of uh, the Liverpool game. We will start with the game at the London Stadium, West Ham against Newcastle. Um, Shearer, as I said before, was meant to be on tonight, but unfortunately wasn't able to make it in the end. But he did send me a five and a half minute epilogue of his thoughts about Newcastle. He loves so,
1: Newcastle.
0: so yeah, we'll we'll pick that apart. But it, effectively, it was another. We'll start with West Ham. It was another poor performance from us, and I think it's fair to say now that top four is. Over and done, do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're four points behind us now, and Arsenal are just behind us, I think, with three games in hand. I mean, yeah, Arsenal are level on points with you, and they've got three games in hand.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's I've, I've been having some arguments on Facebook with people again, because Western... <laughs> it. um, it's, yeah, they just come out of the woodwork. As soon as things go bad, they just come out of the woodwork, and they're talking about sacking Moyes, and it's just... It's laughably... Embarrassing problem medley. is, I think
2: fans seem to lose sight of what the actual expectations are, yeah. Rather than because obviously, you know, if when you're sat that high, you start to think you are a top four team and you've got to take into reality that you know, West Ham getting Europa League football is, is pretty good.
0: I mean, it's, I mean, it's not, it's massive. Yeah, I mean, if you think the season before we were you know within a couple of games of going down, mm. um, and then the next full season or the first full season that Moyes has in charge the following year he gets us to within one game at the end of the season for getting Champions League football. Mm. If results had gone our way, we'd be in the Champions League or would have been in the Champions League. Mm. Um, And you're probably one of the favourites to win the Europa League. I would say so. I mean, you know, if you look at some of the other teams in there, I mean, there is a very real chance that Dortmund are going home Mm. after they got um, dicked 4-2 at home by Rangers. Rangers. Um, Barcelona... You just never know what you're going to get with them. Mm. One minute they'll be good, the next minute they'll be awful. Napoli are a bit inconsistent as well. Mm. So yeah, I think there's every chance that West Ham can go deep in this competition as long as the the Premier League form currently doesn't carry over into Europe. But um, yeah, it, it frustrates me. You know, we we had we had a great season last year. As I said, we brought in some good players who really hit the ground running. I appreciate that January was disappointing for for us all, and that's probably heightened the frustration of a lot of the the more negative West Ham fans, the guys mm-hmm. who, guys and girls who look at things sort of glass half empty. But just to, to to say that Moyes is taking this team as far as we can go, it's just ridiculous. I think that's um, because you know we we're, we're still we had a good cup run. You know we got to quarterfinals of the League Cup, having knocked out both yeah. Manchester clubs.
1: To be clear, also you're still fifth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So and you're not like a top. Well, I mean, you're kind of merging into one of the top six. To be fair, and it's more like the top eight now, anyway. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'd, I
2: wouldn't say. I'd say there's like a, a top two.
0: There's a top two, and, and then, then the rest six are all sort of
2: merge into together. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, to, to to say that you know he's taken us as far as he can. I mean, every the thing is every every side in the Premier League is going to have a dip in form. The difference is the difference between the good teams and the great teams is that the great teams will come through that dip a lot lot quicker mm-hmm. than the other teams will. And what you're seeing in the moment is a reflection on various things at West Ham F- form dipping. Declan, Declan Rice has had one or two poorer games recently, despite mm. his exceptional form. Antonio's out of sorts. If he's got- say,
2: what, what, what's your view on Antonio? I know we've sort of dipped in and out of it before, but I think I saw a stat. I can't remember it exactly, but he scored like two goals since that sort of form right at the start of the season do you
0: know what the ridiculous thing is I think he is still the top scoring striker on fantasy Premier League yeah he is Um, despite the fact he scored so few goals and done so little over Mm. the last 10 or so games Um, obviously not signing a striker is a big issue because effectively we've got no choice but to play him unless he plays Bowen through the middle and then puts somebody else out wide the issue that I've kind of got with Moyes and this is the only bugbear that I've got with him is I just wish he would try a youngster here and there because we our under 23 side that contains all our youngsters is second in that little PL2 league Mm. only behind Man City so clearly we've got some talented players in there but he's not played any of them he reverts Mm. to Yarmolenko and the other tried and tested players you know we've got um, there's a guy called um, oh I can't remember what his name is no, it's, it's eluding me, but he's, he's a striker. He, he did play in the Europa League for about 20 minutes in the last game of the Europa League when we lost 1-0 at home. Um, is it Perkins? I think it might be Perkins. And, you know, he's been scoring for fun in the in the PL2. So is Okaflex. You know, just give them a try, just for half an hour. Give them a go. I mean, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Well, so think,
2: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but even at like, United and Everton, I don't think Moyes was a youth sort of manager was he he
0: wasn't but he's you know he's given ben johnson his wings mm. ben johnson's now a regular in the team um he, you know he's not against giving the younger players he has played one or two of the younger players in, in cup games and things but yeah just it just it frustrates me you know these are the players that are obviously coming through that it, it might if if he had played them and they would suddenly flourished a little bit it would take the pressure off and it would take a lot of the the the, the the negativity around the fact that we didn't sign anyone in January mm. because you can say, "Well, yeah, we didn't," but look, we got these young players coming through, who are doing really well, and they can pad out the squad. They can bring some fresh energy, fresh sort of positivity to that squad. So we've regularly got two or three on the bench every week. We just never brings them on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a bit frustrating. But I mean, it's as a, the, to to finalise the point on West Ham. I think it's really disappointing that West Ham fans can't actually enjoy what is happening right now. And yet we are doing as well as we are, and yet there's still negativity around. It's really, you know, the last time we were up this high for two seasons in a row. Mm. I mean, I can't remember myself. I'm 32 going 33, and I can't remember the last time we had two consecutive (laughs) seasons like this. so, just enjoy it because, who knows, next season we may well be struggling again. or be a mid-table team again. Yeah. You know, just enjoy it while it lasts. So, anyway, that's my rant, my weekly rant on, on West Ham over. We'll check in with Dan's weekly rant on Man United, which will be a little bit less this week because <laughs> they actually
2: won a game for a change. Well, I mean, just quickly before we do move on, talking about how sort of volatile the Premier League table is, you look at Leicester. Last season, they just missed out on Champions League. This season, I mean, they've they've sort of, made their way back up a little bit but they're still sat 11th and even Everton are almost in a relegation spot so
0: well I mean you look at Leicester from Leicester down from 11th down if Watford, Burnley and Norwich suddenly pick up another win or two mm. then anyone from 11th down suddenly is looking over their shoulder mm. including Leicester yeah. Villa Palace, Brentford and Leeds and Everton I mean Leeds and Everton I would say or well, deep in that fight anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Brentford are just about keeping their noses above it. They're only six points above. That's why it'd be interesting when, you know, a lot of these teams
2: catch up on games, because at the moment you sort of look at it and you're like, oh God, they're down there, but then you realise they've got three games in hand on everybody else. Yeah.
0: And, the, you know, you see it every single season, when teams are fighting for their lives at the bottom of the table, you see these surprise results at the end of every season where all of a sudden teams yeah. above them who haven't got mm. as much to play for Get turned over. I mean, who expected Burnley to go to Brighton and beat them three 0 at the weekend? Yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about that game a bit anyway. But uh, let's talk Newcastle. Um So to sort of pick apart what Shearer said, me effectively, he was saying that the entire vibe around Newcastle right now has just changed dramatically. It's Eddie, and he, yeah, he's a, a he's on board with you. He, he loves Eddie Howe. He's you know he's really um full of praise for his work. And I think we all have to be ready, don't we? I mean, they're unbeaten in four now. They've won three of the last four. I mean, what have I said? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm lying. They're unbeaten in the last six. Looking at that, I don't know if there was if there was any further than that, but they've won three of the last six. And in, in, in amongst those, there's been United, there's been West Ham, there's been Everton. Um, you know these. You know, not easy. To, I know Everton are playing poorly at the moment, but they're mm. fighting for their lives as well. So that was a massive result to turn them over. Mm. Yeah. Um, And actually, his signings. We, you know, that was the one kind of question mark, wasn't it? Would the signings be integrated Would properly? Work? Would they work? Yeah. The big obviously we didn't talk about it last week actually, did we? About Kieran Trippier. You know, obviously he's been a big player. Great signing for them, and I know you're a massive fan, Fran. Um, but of course he's now gonna be missing for a good chunk of the rest of the season now with his broken metatarsal. He's
1: pretty much out, isn't he? So
0: possibly, possibly. maybe a squeeze a game Most or two in the, in the end season, of the season. Yeah. Um you know, but But
1: again, things like that, he's still gonna kind of be there, mm. and he's gonna still have a presence and not necessarily be playing, but potentially like in the locker room and like around when they're training and stuff like that, which is probably something they needed. Yeah. They 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 don't just need him on on the field, but they probably need his experience and everything, and that's probably what's helped them in the background. Mm. I think, but with
0: him. I think they you know they make some very shrewd signings. I mean they've got a forty million pound midfielder at the moment who hasn't played a game for them. Mm. He hasn't played more than about five minutes but for equally, them. But
1: I think that's probably a good thing from. Eddie Howe that so he hasn't just shoved them all mm. all the new signs on at once he's just gradually integrated them
0: because that would have been very tempting you know they yeah. weren't in good form and he brought all these players in there would have been yeah. a reasonable amount of pressure from the Newcastle fans very, to yeah. suddenly throw all these players in you know throw money out to get these players in and that will solve yeah. our problems but he's stuck with the vast majority of the team that were in that situation in the first place and in fairness to them he's got them going you know mm. Shira used the example of you know John J. Shelby and Joe Linton two of probably the You would argue, certainly Joe Linton, one of the worst players in terms of signings in recent times. Jonjo Shelby has gone through patches where one minute he's being touted for an England call-up, the next minute he's, you know, looking at probably leaving Newcastle and career in in jeopardy. And now some of the two of them are just, they look like players possessed. Um,
2: It's funny how Joe Linton's become this sort of, Quite good box to box midfielder.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, there's it's no there's no exaggeration. I mean, this guy has literally transformed his his career at Newcastle mm. because he came in as a forty million pound striker and scored about two goals in about two years. Mm. And all of a sudden, now he he genuinely looks like a real general enforcer in that midfield. Mm. And he's not, you know, it, it's it's an all round improvement in him because his his energy is up, his his ability on the ball is improving, he's retaining possession well, he's good in the air because he's a big you know he's a big tall guy. And I I just think right now, I think Newcastle have every chance of pulling right away from this. I don't think they'll just pull a little bit away. I think they could disappear from the distance if they keep this up. Hope so. Uh, The only question mark, and again, Shira alluded to this, is Chris Wood. Mm. Um, Now, they're not scoring freely. No. Um, I think it's fair to say they're only getting the odd goal here and there. They Against West Ham, West Ham were poor, but Newcastle were also very good. Uh, West Ham didn't have a shot on target in the second half I don't think but Newcastle wasted a lot of very good opportunities um, both with wasteful finishing but also just sort of wrong decision making at the wrong times they do need to clean that up because it's all very well fixing things but you've got to put the ball in the net and I'm not sure Chris Wood is going to be the striker that's going to score them enough goals to guarantee them staying up yeah has he scored um, for him yet? No. Yeah. No, he's not. Uh, St. Maximum was missing at the weekend as well. That was a that was a very obvious miss. But I will say mm-hmm. that I thought um, Murphy was outstanding and he ripped Ryan Fredericks to pieces in that mm-hmm. first half. And it was no surprise that I saw he, Fredericks pulled off at half-time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the future looks really good for Newcastle. I really do. I think if you're a Newcastle fan right now, I think despite the fact you're still in 17th, I think that I wouldn't say you're not worried. But I would say you are feeling pretty good about things. I think right they've now. got enough
2: to stay out. Yeah. After, I said I'd wait until I saw them with their new sign ins um, before I made a judgment. And obviously, you just look at the form table, and I think it speaks volumes, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the others in a minute. But if you look at the form table here, it's actually quite ironic to look at the, the Can bottom. Can you look
2: at like, the sort of form table in terms of where they'd be in the league at all?
0: where they would be yeah, in the like league. That. Yeah, so so Newcastle are the sixth best informed team in the league. Mm. Um, but what's what's quite ironic is that the the teams that are doing the worst in terms of form right now are all the teams that are currently kind of looking over their shoulder mm. hesitantly in 13th and 14th. I mean, worst is Brentford who are 14th, then Palace 13th, Everton 16th, Villa 12th, Leicester 11th. Those are your bottom five in terms of uh, form in the last six games. Mm. Then you into Watford, Brighton, you know, I mean, they're far enough out of the way that they're not going to be worried at the moment. Yeah. But their form will be a, a concern for them because you don't want their season to peter out. Um, so and Burnley and Norwich, they're doing okay. They're picking up points. Um, yeah. So skip over West Ham. I mean, let me just put this to you then. So do you see <laughs> shush, <laughs> um <laughs> Do you see a situ? Do you see a, a situation where I mean, we've said from day one, pretty much, or from very early on the season that. The, the teams that will go down, Norwich we've always considered a given. Yeah, I thought Burnley would go, and I think we all agreed that it would then be either Watford or Newcastle. Do you see a situation where at least two of those teams, maybe even three, that go down are none of those four we just mentioned?
2: Um, I think Norwich, definitely.
0: You still think they'll go? Yeah,
2: I think so. Burnley actually look very much improved with their cost. I think. Because um, before... They're always a uh, quite tight-knit at the back, but then you never really look very pretty going forward. But I do think Vecos just sort of brings something different. He's still that tall striker that they have, but he's, he's actually quite quick yeah, um, and quite mobile. Um, and, I mean, I never saw them beating Brighton 3-0, to no. be honest. Um, so Burnley, and they've got the sort of four games in hand on... <laughs>
0: I mean, just to, to put it teams. in perspective, right, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, if we look at... The average there is probably twenty four games, so that gives them two games now. If they won both of those, they would be fifteenth, mm. and Newcastle would be back in the drop zone. Everton would be just above. I mean, if, and if they keep going, I mean they could be, you know, in and around Leicester, Villa, and Palace if they won their games in hand. So I, don't, I mean, I don't know without looking what their games in hand look mm. like and who they got to play. But
2: if I if I had to put money, I'd say Watford and Norwich definitely, and then I could not call that last spot. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I mean. I think there's 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 a glimmer of hope for for Watford, I really do. I think that Roy Hodgson has got a really good track record of coming in and organising teams. I think we've seen evidence of that mm. with the 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 quite sudden and dramatic slowdown of goals conceded since Roy Hodgson's come in. Um, this was their was their, their first win under Hodgson it was also their first goal, mm. which again is something that you associate with Hodgson. They don't concede many and they don't score many either, but they will pick up points. He has done really good work at before. I think he did a great job at Fulham and at Palace as well in turning their seasons around. So I don't think we should write them off just yet.
2: Well, I think I don't know how many games he's been in charge for, but their last three games have been one nil loss, one nil loss, and a one nil win. So I think that pretty much sums up Hodgson. Yeah, doesn't it? Um,
0: but at this stage of the season, I mean, if you look at their goal difference. You know, it's in and around. It, it. It's not great, but it's in and around those teams around them. You know, Leeds, Newcastle, Watford have all got, they're within a few goals of each other. Brentford aren't a million miles away from that either. It's actually Burnley and, and Everton that have got the better goal differences out, mm. of, out of the both of them. And it could come down to that. We have being so mm. tight, goal difference is going to be massive. And that unfortunately doesn't help Norwich, who are currently on minus 38, double, almost double the worst. Then the next worst in Leeds United it's been a really Leeds can fit 50 goals yeah they're three goals off the worst defensive record in the league uh, which is not obviously Norwich at 53 mm. so really really poor return um, let's just touch on um, uh, the, the Burnley game going back to the Burnley game um so obviously, Vegh has come in. Um, I don't know how much of the game you saw, but what did you make of um, that kind of strike partnership link up with with Cornet? Do you think? Do you what do you do you think that could be a little like Crouch Defoe type situation?
2: Hmm. Well, I would really rate Cornet actually. I think when he first came in, he scored in like his first five games,
0: and they were unreal goals yeah. as well.
2: <laughs> um, he looks like he potentially another sort of St Maximan. I think he's been out a couple of times of injuries. Yeah. Um but yeah, to be fair, if I had to compare him to someone, I would compare him to St Maximan. Mm. Um and I just so far from what I've seen in Veco, I think he looks like a really good buy. Mm. I don't know how much they got him for but
0: Do you want do you almost think like Burnley have actually improved in terms of, you know, getting rid of Wood and bringing in Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's just touch on while we're touching on the 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 relegation fight uh, we'll talk Villa, and we've spoken about Roy Hodgson and what he brings to Watford and how he can organise a team and how they've improved. and on the flip side, would you say now that the sort of honeymoon period for Stephen Gerrard has come to an end? Looks that way, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, they yeah, lost, it lost their last two, haven't won, and have won one of their last six. Um, if we look quickly back through their results, um, you know they've they're only losing games by a narrow margin. They lost to Watford one 0 they lost to Newcastle one 0 they drew with Leeds three all. Um,
1: Is that sometimes more frustrating
0: then? What they're only losing by the odd goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say so because it, if you're a manager, you would think I don't, you know, nothing drastic needs changing. But then you'd have to look into each individual game to sort of maybe get a bigger picture of, mm. you know, it might be that one team has battered them but only scored mm. one goal, sort of thing. But what was really interesting about this game was the comments that Stephen Gerrard came out with after, where he was basically saying that you know we've we've had 17 shots and goal and had one on target. We've dominated the ball. We've been in good areas. I threw more players at it just to try and get us that goal. And he effectively, and he even used the words, "we we lack quality in that final third. And when you think about the players they've got in the mm. final third, that's quite a.
2: Well, Watkins yeah. and uh Ings seem to be quite out of form at the moment. Mm. Don't yeah, they? they are.
1: watkins been a bit better, but Ings has been.
2: Yeah, better. Ings has been on the bench pretty much every game from yeah. what I've seen.
0: But then you you know you. you from a quality perspective, when you you know you look at that strike force, you know you got Watkins or Rings through the middle, both established Premier League players who you know scored plenty of goals in the past.
2: Mm.
0: Philip Coutinho is coming for big money, and we've already seen mm. glimpses of how good he is. Emi Buendia still, for me, is not quite proven at Premier League yeah, level. He does yeah. it with Norwich in the in the in the Championship, but he hasn't quite hit the heights for me in the Premier League. Again, show glimpses, mm. um, but there Ramsey's are Ramsey's been scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Ramsey's come in and um, been been superb for them. So. I don't know. I think to say lack of quality, I feel like it was a weird thing to say. Mm. And I'm not sure if I was an Aston Villa player how I would take that. Mm. Um, if it feels to me maybe just more of a lack of composure yeah, yeah. than than quality. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Do you think that's yeah, a no, no? I would agree. Do you, if if you're a Villa striker, would that motivate you, or would that sort of dishearten you that your manager is criticising you so openly? Uh, a
1: bit of both.
2: I think it should motivate them, because you you look at the results that they've been getting, and they're not good enough, are they?
0: Mm. Um, I mean, if we look back through the the fixtures here, um, I'm just going to try and find the last time they won a game. Uh, Am I being blind here? Oh, yeah, so they've won one this calendar year, which was against Everton 1-0. Other than that, you have to go back to the 14th of December.
2: Yeah,
0: since the last time they won, Norwich. and that was Norwich, yeah. So, um, I I wonder if there's a little bit of like kicking up the ass type thing with Jared here because you know he's probably looking at the table and thinking, well, Newcastle are on the up, mm. Burnley have got games in hand which could bring them into play, Watford have got Roy Hodgson look look better, Norwich well,
2: yeah. fixtures,
0: yeah, uh, Well, Villa's fixtures, yeah. Um, so Brighton next. Uh, and then Southampton, Leeds and West Ham, all very winnable games. Mm. And I definitely include West Ham in that right now with the way we're playing. Um, so, yeah, massive games, really, really big. I mean, every game is massive at this stage, time of the season, really, for, for clubs in around that area. But if Villa can just get one or two more wins out of those next four, pull themselves away and all of a sudden that, that conversation about relegation disappears yeah. and the pressure is released, that's how quickly it can change. But, yeah, what do we think? So, I mean, if you had to when you look at Villa play and you see Gerrard obviously he did a great job at Rangers do you think do you think this is a long term thing do you think he'll work out long term or is it too early to I tell I think
2: so I've, I quite rate well just from what I saw of him at Rangers not that I followed the SPL but I I, I think he's a better manager than like end. Lampard mm. um, from what I've seen so far
0: yeah no I'd agree um and then just touching on on Lampard, I mean, we're not going to talk about the game in, in particular, but obviously things are not going well for Everton either. No. Um, <laughs> we, sure. No, I mean, they their form is now uh, the second worst in the league, I think behind Brentford, I think I said earlier, didn't I? Mm. Um, they've... They were breezed past I by got Southampton. City next, That's good. <laughs> yeah, City next, and then they got Spurs. You know, I suppose you don't really know what you're going to get from Spurs so much. Um, you might get the team that turned up against City, mm. or you might get the team that turned up against Wolves the other week. At least they got Bournemouth in between. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a confidence boost. But then they've got Wolves, who are flying at the moment. Yeah, um, Newcastle. Newcastle. So these are huge mm. games for Everton. Huge, huge games. We said that Lampard was a little bit of a risk coming in. Um, have you seen anything from them because it seems to me like they're just making the same old mistakes
2: yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, d- I don't think it was a very good appointment um,
0: do you not No. Nah. I think it was it's a sort of appointment for me that I would do in the summer
1: mm. rather
0: than halfway through a season when the team was playing really really badly mm. um, and I feel like
2: the position Everton are in they need I don't know yeah I mean they, need someone
1: they needed someone that's
2: used to that sort of environment of not playing well and not being nowhere near where they should be and yeah. they are in a relegation fight let's not get it wrong um, like you say maybe you know if they'd stabilised and then brought in Lampard to change things in the summer that might have been better um, but
0: I mean yeah. I, su- I suppose the general vibe around the club will be better now that Benitez is gone so that yeah, will be a yeah, positive yeah. but Lampard has also made mention of the fact that he thinks the players are quite unfit now it's not unheard of for a new manager to come in and say that because it's kind of almost like a deflection tactic mm. to to sort of quell the the talk of him not doing a good job, but effectively blaming the previous manager. But it is a quite a, a bad indictment if it is true. For example, it's quite a bad indictment on a coach's experience as Rafa Benitez that his team wasn't fit enough, wasn't focused enough, and kind of switched on enough tactically. You know that that to me for Benitez, the way Benitez plays, that's bread and butter to Benitez.
2: Mm. So but you look at the, the players in that squad, especially now they've added like Deli Alley and Donny yeah. van der Beek and stuff. They should be nowhere near getting these results.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um okay. Um let's uh let's bring the first half of the show to a close there. When we come back, we'll talk um, about the two Manchester clubs and how they got on at the weekend, and then we'll get into the stats and the quiz. See you in a minute. everybody and welcome back to the show so we'll jump straight in then um to the rugby blind side segment from will
3: Hello everybody, this week I'm going to be looking at multiple club ownership and how it's going to affect the future of football. The reason for this is we've had a few news stories over the past few weeks and months concerning owners buying clubs or showing interest in clubs that already have stakes in other clubs across the world. It's also because of the news that came out last week that Barnsley slumped the bottom of the championship table, even below troubled Derby County. There are many signs on the, at the ground and posts on social media of fans stating Conway out so paul conway is the chairman of barnsley and is part of the pacific media group who are an american investment company that owns six teams across europe these include barnsley uh, Den Bosch in the netherlands um, edgeberg in denmark uh, kv Oostend in belgium as nancy in france and a swiss team called fc thun All of these teams are performing fairly badly in their respective leagues, so Barnsley are bottom of the second tier in England, as are Nancy in France, Thun are mid-table in the second tier of the Swiss League, and Den Bosch and Edgeberg are both flirting with relegation to the third tiers in their period. So all these teams are not doing very well at all, so it just begs the question and sparks the debate as to whether the multi-club ownership model actually works and will it end up getting a bit too messy in the future with owners owning multiple clubs anyway. So we'll just have a quick look at UEFA's current rules which were adopted in 1998 and became effective for the 2000 and 2001 season. And they state that no two clubs or more participating in a UEFA club competition may be directly or indirectly controlled by the same entity or managed by the same person. So there are a few examples uh, across Europe um, where this model is actually successful. Um, We can look at the Red Bull Group and the City Football Group. I'd say the most successful example are Red Bull as they're doing it on a slightly more manageable budget. I think they spend a few hundred million euros here and there on clubs as opposed to the City Group that spend upward of £1 billion on their clubs across the world. But it's also not just these groups that have multiple clubs. It's the clubs, for example, in the Premier League, where most owners will have a second team at a club in Europe. An example of this at the moment is Tony Bloom, who owns Brighton, but he also owns Union Saint-Gilois in Belgium. They are top of the league in Belgium at the moment, and as things go at the moment, we'll be playing Champions League football next season. Brighton are looking at a upward mid-table finish, and in the next few years will be hoping themselves to be competing for some European places. So how it works at the moment with the relationship between these two clubs, it's a very helpful model for player development and getting past work permits, uh, especially in the UK, post-Brexit. So Brighton have signed a few players that will automatically be loaned out to Union St. Gilroy, as well as some of their other affiliate clubs around the world. This is just uh, one example of an owner owning two clubs in Europe. I'm pretty sure in the near future we are going to get to the point where two clubs owned by the same group or person will end up in the same UEFA competition. So it's just something I think we should all keep an eye on, especially with loads of rumours flying around about various people owning multiple clubs across Europe because I think there will be inevitable conflict in the not-so-distant future. But that's all for me this week, and I'll be back next week with some more business news in football.
0: Thank you very much for that, Will. As always, your uh, your input is much appreciated. We do promise to get you on the show soon. I know we talked about it a little while ago, but we haven't actually got around to doing it yet. But we will get Will on the show properly because he's offers some amazing insight into the world of football. So uh, we will definitely get that arranged soon. Let's get back to the Premier League. Let's talk the Chelsea game first, of all, before we talk about the two Manchester clubs. Um, they scraped past Crystal Palace in what was another not brilliant display from Chelsea, I think mm. it's fair to say. Um, but I want to focus instead on one particular player. No prizes for guessing who we're going to talk <laughs> about. And that is Romelu Lukaku. Um, he, There's been a lot of talk about him recently. Um, Thomas Tuchel has said, it's not the time to laugh, I beg to differ. Um, seven touches against Crystal Palace. Um, so the, say- the, ball, the ball boy... Uh, behind the goal had eight touches of the ball, <laughs> and I'm not even lying. That was a stat, that was a stat that came out. The, the ball boy who wasn't playing had more touches of the ball than Romelu Lukaku. So, uh, did it,
2: so I was just gonna say, did he make that sort of pissed off, or did he make that statement?
0: Um, I I don't know. I didn't see the interview, um, him, so I just read read what he said. But he he said that it's not what we want. Obviously, it's not what Romelu wants. Uh, but it's not the time to laugh about him and make jokes about him. I mean, I mean, what one of the um, one of the touches would have been the kickoff. So in <laughs> theory, it's it's six touches in in the game. Um, I actually saw, <laughs> you know, it's bad when people are putting together a highlight reel of your performance and it's like less than a minute long, mm. and it's just it's just literally there was a couple of times where he, I think he had one shot maybe that was blocked. I can't remember. The rest of it is like flick flick-ons and just holding the ball up. Uh, he, he was so uninvolved in that game. It's untrue. So what's going on here? Is it, is it Lukaku out of form? Are Chelsea not playing the right tactics? Are they not playing to his strengths? What what do we think? Because something isn't working and something is not right with this situation with Lukaku at Chelsea.
2: But, to be honest, it was sort of like that towards his end of time at United. And um, then you
1: think that because he's just lost his...
2: Yeah, game. I mean, lost his, his mojo. He's always been that player, like, that we always joke as an awful first touch. Um, and you still see that now like he's just sort of trying to run with the ball and he'll run it off the pitch and mm. like his first touch will bounce off him like a trampoline
0: i mean just to put this in perspective this is uh since statistics started being recorded by opto 2003-2004 this is now a new premier league record for the fewest touches from a from a player um imagine. across a full 90 minutes it's, it's surprised he lasted 90 minutes uh, I mean, I, yeah. I thought I don't know who they had on the bench. Let's just have a quick look at who they had on the bench. Whether they could have, could they have brought somebody else on? Um, Verna, well, not yeah. well team had on the bench and not come on? Yeah, so I, I, just, I just don't know. I mean, I, I've never seen a striker who has all of the, the as many physical attributes and as many technical attributes going for him as Romelu Lukaku does, as evidenced by his time in Italy, as evidenced by his time when he plays internationally. And yet, for some reason, um, at various times throughout his Premier League career, it has just gone so south. Mm. And it seems to take him so long to get out of it.
1: Do you think this is a him problem or a team problem? Because Chelsea have
0: dipped as well. Well, this is it. I they think have, yeah. That's, that's definitely worth remembering, is that Chelsea's form overall has been pretty poor. I mean, they won the Club World Cup recently, but they were fairly Marginally. unconvincing in that um, against the two teams that they played. Um, they're form has been criticised by even their own manager over the last month or two. That he's basically been saying that they're shattered, they've got no energy, there's too many games, you know, all the usual things that managers come out with. Mm. But the ultimate point is is that Chelsea have not been performing. So mm. it's yes, it's right to call out Lukaku for his poor performances, but you're absolutely right, friend. he is not the only one within that Chelsea squad who's underperforming at the moment.
2: They seem to be struggling with strikers in general, don't they? I mean, they signed Timo last season and he was obviously although he, it, weirdly he was actually one of their better players statistically
0: statistically he was their better player yeah but you look at the goal return he wasn't mm. great and then Lukaku this season scored 5-17 and, and you could probably put Kai Havertz in that bracket mm. as well yeah yeah. Um, he's, he's equally um, I mean what doesn't help Lukaku is the fact that he's moved for the thick end of 90 million pounds or whatever it was 95 million pounds whatever, whatever the transfer fee was that obviously comes with its baggage mm. um And I think if you look back now across the strikers they've had, I mean, Sky Sports have done a a link here about the the struggling strikers that Chelsea have had. Now, obviously, these are going to be from a range of different managers here. But these are all, you would say, world-class strikers. Gonzalo Higuain, five goals in 14. That's not terrible. That's probably one of the Mm. better returns, although you would say his overall performances for Chelsea weren't great when he was there. Uh, Morata... Flattered to deceive his entire time there. <laughs> one minute he'd score a hat trick. I think he'd score a hat trick against Stoke, and he looked mm. literally world class. Sixteen and forty-seven for him. Radamel Falcao one going ten. That was a weird one.
2: He was crap at us, and then Chelsea thought, oh, we'll give him a
0: yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> they saw something in him. Fernando Torres, 20 goals in 110 appearances. That was such
2: a shame, that one, because um, he was world class at Liverpool.
0: Yeah, but he did cause Gary Neville to have an orgasm live on air yeah. against Barcelona, yeah. so we can remember him for that, if nothing else. Uh, and Andre Shevchenko, just nine goals in 48 appearances. And Andre wow. Shevchenko was arguably one of the greatest strikers in mm. the world uh, at that point maybe not so much at that point as he was coming towards the back end of his career when he, when he went to Chelsea but you know uh, it's, it's difficult to draw any conclusions from that particularly because there are going to be so many different managers in, the, in that period with their own different styles but it is interesting that so many top strikers have gone to Chelsea and for whatever reason it hasn't worked yeah. it's
2: interesting he's obviously done his research on that um, judging by that next comment he made
0: Who, Tuchel? Yeah, there's a history of strikers struggling a little bit at Chelsea, so it may not be the easiest place in the world for strikers. I don't know why it is like this. But obviously...
2: He's been researching his excuses.
0: (laughs) That's what he was doing on the bench. (laughs) I'm going to have to get something prepped here, because otherwise I'm going to get torn apart. But, I mean, what what is it? I mean, you can't say that the the club is the... You can't say that Chelsea, as a club, is the reason for the strikers struggling. Mm. Because ultimately, the strikers are only going to be as good as the tactics that are deployed, and now the manager deploys them mm. to the striker so for me that's I mean it's an interesting stat that these top strikers have gone there and not performed well but it really doesn't help solve the issue of what's going on with Lukaku at all I think the fullbacks
2: especially Chilwell has been a massive miss mm. um, because when him and Rhys James were both playing fullback Chelsea were unstoppable mm. um, and since but
0: largely because they were scoring goals though yeah true um, it wasn't because they were providing assist after assist no, to Lukaku
2: true um, but obviously we've seen since they've been sort of injured um, he's even gone back to a back four in recent times
0: yeah yeah I, I just really don't know uh, I really really don't know um, do, do you see where do you see the situation going with Lukaku I, I mean it's a lot them, of money invested I can see them
2: selling him because you know it's nearly 100 million they've spent and I'm sure he'd be happy to go back to Inter but Inter aren't going to spend over a hundred million.
0: Yeah, I mean he does he does play up front on his own for Chelsea. Mm. Um when he was at Inter Milan, he would have had Lautaro Martinez up with him. Does he need a striker up? Does he need somebody else up there with him? Is the lone striker not a role that he can play?
2: Maybe, but problem is well, I guess you could do that with the the uh, formation uh that Tuchel plays, but he'd have to do like the sort of five three two, wouldn't he, rather than the um what does he do like a 3-4-3 three, three. i think he prefers doesn't he
0: yeah because he likes to play the two wide men yeah. doesn't he um yeah i i i don't see this getting better anytime soon because i don't see chelsea at the moment there's no you, you never know what suddenly turns fortunes around at clubs but you have to say based on what we're seeing right now I'm not seeing any shoots of recovery mm. from Chelsea. I mean, they're still picking up the odd result here and there. That's the only thing you can say. Yeah, no, they
1: may be getting Rhys James and
2: Ben Chilwell. Chilwell was out, out for
0: listening. the season. Yeah, yeah. Rhys James, I think, is back. I think he's back in. Is he? Did he play at the weekend? I know he's back around training and stuff. Uh, was he on the bench? No. So, but I'm fairly certain I've read somewhere yeah, that he's back I think in, he's
2: training, in training. Training
0: yeah. and um, that will be a big win for them to come out. But then you know he's now been out for a good period of time. Yeah his you know the form that he would have had before the injury would have disappeared it's very unlikely that he's going to be able to come back in and pick up where he left off after such a a long time out so yeah it's just it's going to be really interesting to see where we you know if we have this conversation again at the end of the season between you know between now and then has he improved has he managed to find the back of the net more often has he looked more like a striker that's you know going to dominate because he 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 couldn't if he wants to he can dominate teams Mm. You know, there are, there are. It's a very physical league, as we know in England. But he is a physical striker. Some of the goals he, I saw him score for Inter Milan, and certainly some of the score he scored in the in the Euros is where he's backing into defenders and spinning them because he's just so big and strong mm. that he can just let the ball roll across his body and fire it in the back of the net. Would
2: be an interesting partnership to see him and Timo team up together because obviously mm. Timo. Is flat out pacey. So if if Lukaku's holding up balls and playing them through to Timo, I think that could be a partnership.
0: Mm, absolutely. I mean Lukaku for his size is not exactly slow. No. So there's no there's no reason to say that they couldn't really bounce off each other. And mm. Timo Werner, you know, does a lot of hard work and a lot of hard graft for the team. And perhaps, I mean, he's not really been playing much, perhaps it is time to throw him in there and just mm. try something different because what they're doing right now. It's a bit like Groundhog Day. It's a bit mm. like you know the, the definition of insanity, isn't it? It's Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I think Timo would actually suit United. Oh, are you are you suggesting? I just the way United you know, play with I the that,
1: the
2: fast counter attack in football. I think t- you know Timo. Say Sancho and Alango or Rashford or whoever those sort of front free pacey mm. I think would just work really well.
0: Well, I think you're going to be in need of players this summer. Yeah, the way things are standing right now. Uh, right, that's the Chelsea chat over. Let's talk then. Let's go to the Leeds main night again while we're on the topic. Then, so it so was. Good. It was a. <laughs> it was an interesting setup for this game because historically. As bad as United have been for the last year or so, or however long it's been, however, long you, however far you want to go back with this, the one team that seems to bear with them out every time is Leeds. Mm. Because Leeds, for some reason, cannot play Man United without conceding at least three or four goals. Mm. And at the moment, um, I mean, Leeds, Leeds are in a relegation. They're in a fight. Personally, I think they're making too many mistakes. I think they are, yeah. Um, but I don't know. What did you What did you make of United's performance? Was it Was it them playing well, or was it Leeds just giving them too many chances to 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 not win the game?
2: Uh, I thought first half we were good, which we have been in most of our games this season. First half, we like I said before, with a polar opposite of last season, where this season we're quite good first half, and then again come out second half and. We're we just didn't come out of the changing
0: rooms. I mean, I genuinely couldn't believe it. I went to the toilet at 2 0. <laughs> and then as I came out of the toilet, I looked at my phone and saw messages coming through from you and one or two others saying how shit United were. I was like, surely not. Surely they've <laughs> got Literally thrown it at the
1: away. Point where I text Chris, saying United cannot
0: lose. Yeah, that, you were one of them. Yeah yeah, 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 United cannot lose. I was like, well, of course they're not. They're 2-0 up. <laughs> you were in such a bad mood.
1: I was like, oh, my God.
2: <laughs> <is> <laughs> the first goal was just, a, it was a cross that just looped over the top of De Gea. And I'm like, it's not great, but, you know, these things happen. Like, yeah. those sort of goals.
0: It's a very broken. Man United goal to concede, yeah. though, isn't it, right now?
2: But then it was literally 59 seconds later. They just went down the other end, crossed it in and scored. And I couldn't believe it
0: did you feel the worst at that point did you think Leeds would go on and... yeah
2: I mean that. well for another sort of 10 minutes afterwards it was all Leeds and they were almost like playing a front four <laughs> um, but luckily and well and then uh, the rest is history <laughs> isn't it I told as soon as I saw Fred coming on for Pogba I was like oh fucking hell
0: yeah he messaged me to say oh I'm glad that Fred's coming on because he'll change the game for us or whatever it was you said yeah, I mean, obviously being crassly <laughs> you know, massively sarcastic <laughs> And then not a minute later, whoever it was, the game he, change, he did change the game. He did change the game. To be fair, it was a good finish because it, it was a tight angle.
2: Um, it was good from Lindelof, though. I mean, although, I mean, we've skipped over this, but that was our first goal from a corner from Maguire all season.
0: Yeah, and it was, it's his first Premier League goal of the season mm. as well, isn't it? I found it quite what a weird it? header, actually.
2: second goal for United.
0: Yeah, yeah. I found it quite a weird goal because... McGuire didn't really seem to actually head it. Mm. He just yeah. sort of manoeuvred himself in a position the ball just hit his big bonks mm. and then flying in the back of the net.
2: I was expecting the fingers in the ears.
0: Oh, I was yeah. waiting for it. I was waiting for him to give the fingers in the ears or do the old shush yeah. celebration or
2: something like that. I mean, apparently you... he was celebrating to one of his mates that was a Leeds fan in the crowd. That's what he tweeted.
0: What, when he did the celebration? He
2: slid on his knees, apparently he was staring at his mate in the crowd who's a Leeds fan.
0: Oh, Really? Cool, good one. Good one, Harry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, And then, obviously, Elanga comes on. Now, there was a little bit of crowd trouble at this game. It's worth saying. uh, Elanga was, I believe, struck with a coin or a missile or something from the crowd. Um, So, rather poetically, it was him that sealed the game in the end. Mm. Um, There was also some other bits and pieces going on between the fans. I think there's a little bit of needle between the two clubs anyway. Um, So... But good for Langer. You know, he yeah. obviously had the yeah. penalty miss against Middlesbrough, which cost him the FA mm. Cup. So mm. this will help, you know, get through that and get over it. Um, what do you make of Jesse Lingard? First start, kind of out of nowhere. Didn't expect to see him in the starting line. No, night. Like I
2: really thought that he would go out there and almost sort of say, yeah, "This really is why you want. should have been. This is why I should have been playing."
1: Like what he did at West Ham when.
2: He yeah, I, th- I thought he'd put on a show and against a team like Leeds where attacking players really can show what they're made of I genuinely Well, I text you saying I completely forgot he was on the pitch when yeah. he got taken off
0: yeah he, do you know what the second goal I think it was Fernandez that scored mm. I actually thought that was Lingard who crossed it it wasn't until I realised it was Sancho yeah. oh okay um, who Sancho, by the way, may not be a bad mm. shout for, for Premier League for fantasy mm. league at this point because he's beginning to show, mm. isn't he? Some signs. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, but yeah, I found it a really strange inclusion because Lingard's not started a Premier League game all season. Let's be honest, the conditions were appalling. It yeah. was it was a, pretty it Sunday like league. league, Sunday yeah, league yeah. type game. Um, you could literally, I even said to Annabelle, I was like, you can literally see the water splashing mm. as they're running, and the ball. You can actually see the ball was beginning to slow up yeah. on the pitch. So I think if the rain had really come down even heavier.
2: Almost one of those where the ball just stops dead on the line. And yeah, <laughs> Exactly. I mean,
0: it would have been interesting to see whether the officials would have done something mm. if it had got any worse. I don't think they would have done, but you know, there might have been some calls to to, to do something. When Bissaka
2: loved it though.
0: Oh mate. Like a pig in shit he <laughs> it was, was not it? Where he did like three side attacks
2: in
3: a
0: row. <laughs> he literally just went unnecessarily. Went from, as well. I know. He's like Bog the <laughs> defender just literally gone to world class sliding tackler just because of the conditions um but uh yeah I, I i was disappointed with lingard's performance i have to say i thought that the game kind of passed him by a little mm. bit and i think that maybe this whole situation now he, he's just reverted back to lingard of um, yeah i'm mean, old for united really. maybe yeah.
2: maybe his head's just not in it anymore i mean he doesn't really need to fight for the shirt does he
0: um, i mean for that very reason the very fact that you know this Ranyik is aware of the situation in January whereby he said he could go, the board said no. Lingard probably had in his mind that he would go in January to to wherever Mm. whether it was Newcastle, West Ham or abroad or wherever. For Ranyick to then just throw him straight into the starting lineup. Mm. Was that was that was that a wise call
2: from Raniuk? Well, I guess there shouldn't be any bad blood between Lingard and Raniuk because technically Raniuk said, "I'm more than happy for you to go." It was yeah. the club that stopped him, so I can't see there being a reason why.
0: I'm not necessarily suggesting there's any bad bl- bad blood there, but well, bad blood between the as club. you say, the Lingard yeah. and the club. Yeah. But any kind of kind of negativity in the air in a player's head is not a recipe for mm. a good performance. But he
1: didn't actually want to leave, that, did he?
0: Who? Yeah. At the start of the season, he didn't. At the start of the season, he didn't, but in January, he did. Oh, okay. He
2: asked to leave in January.
0: Home.
2: Well, no, he would. He nearly moved to Newcastle, I think.
0: Yeah, it? I yeah. think Newcastle, from what we understand, were the only ones who really put a proper phone yeah. in. I think West Ham were probably sniffing around mm. it, but I don't think they did and anything the board officially. It down. And the board said, board, yeah, board said no after. I mean, you did one or two players. Uh, Dean Henderson. Dean Henderson. Well. Yeah, Dean Henderson. Obviously, from a striker point of view, Martial... Obviously left. Yeah. Um. Greenwood. Obviously, we know the Van trouble Beek. he's in. Van der Beek's gone, so maybe the board just thought, no, let's make sure we don't run out of players. effectively if we suddenly have an injury crisis. So oh, I can I mean, sort of
3: understand. But- yes
2: and no. I mean, it would have been nice to see some more youngsters come from. I mean, you look at Langer since mm-hmm. he since he's sort of come through. He's been one of our better players, and he's getting in ahead of Rashford and um. Well, I need to say Greenwood then, but he's getting ahead of Rashford mm-hmm. um, and deservedly so it would have been nice to have seen maybe another couple of youngsters come through just to yeah. sit on the bench And
0: indeed uh, two final points then let's first of all touch on Sancho who does seem to be the the one shining light at the moment mm-hmm. for Man United with his performances he's Bruno's looking more improved confident
2: recently I think
0: yeah um, he's looking more confident Sancho um, he's laying on assists now he's even chipping in with the odd goal um, do you think you're finally beginning to see that player that you thought you bought from Dortmund
2: yeah um slowly but surely uh, over the last few games he's been he's been decent, but I mean as a team we're still way behind where we should be.
0: yeah um, and then final point, uh, this is something that um Paul Merson brought up and Paul Merson has been a, a big advocate of Ronaldo wasn't a good signing in the first mm. place. Uh, he was quoted as saying that Cristiano Ronaldo by Cristiano Ronaldo last summer was a mistake. It will be an even bigger mistake keeping him in the summer. Ooh. what do you think?
2: I think buying Ronaldo was a commercial move rather than a, a footballing move. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I, yeah, I I do love Ronaldo and I don't blame this season on him at all. I think you I don't think you could do that to say the reason we're doing so badly is because we've got Ronaldo. No. But I do agree I he's not a long term move. Do you know what I mean? He's 37. If we keep him another season, he might win us the Europa League, but I don't really care.
0: There's so many other problems in United right now that yes, I still personally think that Ronaldo coming in was a a mistake Mm. from a playing point of view because I think he disjointed what Solskjaer was at least trying to do even Mm. if you could criticise what he was trying to do you could at least see that he was trying to build a young, pacey, Mm. counter-attacking team and you put Ronaldo
2: in and that changes things. It sounds stupid but I think it'd suit like a Burnley just because of the system the way they play Mm. where they do knock it up to that tall player up front with the strength and the height so that system, I'm not saying they'd go to Burnley because obviously he's above that, but, but he, just he, fit, he
0: fits a team that plays a little bit more of a in a controlled possession. Yeah, way.
2: United are a very pacey, quick counter in, get the ball to the other end as fast as possible team. And obviously Ranyik wants the team pressing and Ronaldo can't do that at his age. Um, even Cavani's not been, you know, everyone keeps saying, Oh, Cavani's the player that presses and even he's been crap when he comes on and he seems to be injured like every other week. Yeah. Um, so I would probably, if we could offload, I mean Cavani will go anyway, but if we could offload Ronaldo as well. But the problem is we've got like five or six important players going. Um, we've named them quite a few times, but you know, Lingard, Pogba, uh, Ronaldo, Cavani, all going for free. Um, well,
0: frees up uh, a lot of wages though.
2: It does, yeah. Um, which but, can be
0: moved around. We've played enough football managers now. You ju- you put your you put <laughs> yeah. your mouse on the budget
2: slider and you move it around. Problem is that yeah. when teams know that you're interested in, you know, when teams know you've got no striker because you've just lost Ronaldo and Cavani,
0: yeah,
2: then they're going to put the price up. And United seem to go for English players, which adds 30, 40 million yeah. on the price tag.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. Declan Rice is 150 million, if you want to Yeah, say. exactly. That. Uh, right, so we'll round off the show um, with the Man City-Tottenham game. Um, brill- probably the game of the weekend, I think it's fair to say. It was a really entertaining game.
1: Good game of football.
0: Man City-Spurs. To- equally Spurs. frustrating,
1: because I do support Spurs, obviously, but equally, I probably support City to an extent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Spurs have taken six points off City this year. They've beaten them twice. Mm. Um... I think, I'm sure I heard a stat to say that the last four times that Spurs have beaten Man City... Sorry, I think Spurs... I'm trying to remember this. I think it's like the last time, the last four times that Spurs... There's reason why Dan's the stat, man. Yeah. The last four times that Spurs have beaten Man City have been with a different manager at the Spurs' helm, I think. Mm. Mm. Because I'm pretty sure... Because Nuno would have been in charge early in the season when they won. Conte now. Mourinho before, and I think the one before that would have been Poch. Mm. Um, So I have some thoughts
1: on this game. Go on, then. The fact that... I said this to Dan earlier though. like, I obviously I love Harry Kane, but the fact that on match of the day, they're like, oh yeah, and he just, like, when he scored, they're like, oh, and inevitably Harry Kane was there to bash in the goal. Well, not inevitably, because have you seen him for, like, the rest of the season? It's like, I mean, as a fan of Spurs, I, I get it. But it's like they just forget that he's been he's, a bit shit. He's
0: been awful all season, and like yeah. he
1: just boshes two goals in. I get it's against City, and they were good goals that he like he literally just like walked past Carl Walker and just boshed it in. But I'm like, even I am sat there thinking, how are you just forgetting mm. the shit season for like the rest of the time that he's had? Like two good goals don't make up for a bad season. Equally beating City. Does not make up for a bad
0: season. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's the, the media have spun these narratives about, you know, Conte and Spurs and that, you know, they're, they're trying to find reasons to criticise. I mean, they do this all the time, right? I mean, like, May United right now are a, a journalist wet dream because they can just make up <laughs> fucking anything about United and spin it as the truth. Mm. Um, and it's so difficult to separate the fact from the fiction in these situations because it's so easy to kick a you know, kick someone when they're down, basically. And with Spurs, you're, right, you're absolutely right in saying that Harry Kane's had a poor season, but the narrative that I've seen so much is the whole Man City wanted to buy him in the summer, this is the first time that Kane's played they, against City, therefore they, he's come back to haunt them, he showed yeah. them what he's all about. It's like, no, that's just the way the game was going. They said
1: something about, like, when he scored, about, like, this is why at, uh, City tried so hard to get him in summer because of this. And I'm like, I don't think it is. No. Mm. I really don't think it is, but... I'm I mean, you, being... you
0: could argue it. I mean, you could make a case for saying yes, because this was probably Harry Kane's better... One of his better performances this season. Yeah. But the reason they wanted to buy him was for that game, not for the previous 20 that we've seen you in think this season. Do there was a
1: reason why he played better in this game? Because I, I genuinely... it was because it was against
0: City. I, I do genuinely think that... That was just how the game was going. It was such a high octane game. I think when you're when you're playing and, you know it was a Dan, game of football. Dan will know this. When you're playing in a game like that, where it's end to end, and you can you can almost feel the tension and the and the um, the intensity of the game. Yeah. That you kind of get lost in. It and you almost forget about the fact that you've not scored in ages or that you've mm. not done this, that, or the other. You get lost in that. I think because, that's what
1: he needed, though. Yeah, he, he needed I agree. there to be no like crazy. Pressure or him overthink it. I think he just needed to play a game where he just has to be like in it and forget about
0: everything. Yeah. I mean, obviously, being a West Ham fan, I'm kind of, I should dislike Spurs and I should want them to do badly, not only because the, for the rivalry, but because this result was equally as bad for West Ham from yes, a league yes. point of view. Um, but I will say that actually, I was genuinely happy that Spurs won this game because A, it keeps the title race interesting, mm. but B, because I felt like the handball that gave Man City the, the two the two all, I thought it was so harsh. I really did. I, I can see why it was given, mm. but I feel like when you're... When you play it at real time, it's so easy when you slow it down to make it look like he's deliberately put his hand there to block it. But you yeah. play that at real time, the speed that that man was carrying, I can't remember yeah. who it was, but the speed he uh, was we're carrying... We're he was he was full pelt trying to block that cross, and yeah. when you're lunging like that, your arms do go up in that position yes. because you're using it for balance, and you use your arms as an extra kind of propulsion method to get to where you want to go quicker. Yeah, and I feel like it was so so harsh. I was I was genuinely really happy. that Spurs went straight up the other mm. end and scored, yeah. and also having had a goal disallowed for a tight offside as well. Because um, they were checking it as well, weren't they? Because yeah. Kuleszewski, it was the same guy, yeah. Kuleszewski, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was almost was offside high. for the second uh, for that yeah. winning goal as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good. It's only going
1: to do Spurs good. Yeah, I mean, what what's But who they got next week? So They'll probably go and lose against <laughs> Norwich or something
0: ridiculous. Uh, let's have a quick look who Spurs have got next week. Burnley. Well, yeah,
1: there we go. Burnley
0: away. So yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 all very as you rightly say. This is this is a one-off game. Who. Spurs for some reason seem to have a City's number like, at, at times. Everyone
1: is just singing Harry Kane's praises, and I will happily sing his praises. But equally,
0: just what? just he turns up and scores a hat trick next week against Burnley, then no, and then we'll right. then we'll, then we'll start getting on board the Kane hype train a yeah. little bit again.
1: I mean, I'm always on the Kane High train.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah, it's derailed I, a little bit. Yeah, I just I just I'm not sure where where it all comes from. It's just it's too easy. It's lazy for me to just put it mm. down to that sort of thing. I think it's it's. It's more than that. It's just that the way the game was, you could hear the crowd. You could almost feel the intensity coming through the I TV think screen. Both teams
1: had a good game, though. I wouldn't say City had a bad game. <laughs> no, and Pep like there was so much talk about Pep called it, didn't he? He said like because Tottenham have lost three games in a row. He did say it will be a really
0: hard game.
2: Well, he said it was because I think they said, "Oh, is this a good time to play them?" And he said, "No, it's no. probably the worst time to play them." Mm.
0: Yeah, well, they've lost four.
2: Yeah, three or four. Because I think row. It wasn't
0: this the first time that Conte's lost four since? Mm. Forever or yeah. whenever it was. Um, on, on the topic of Conte, one of the other media spins recently has been his relationship with Daniel Levy and how supposedly Daniel Levy is chomping at the bit to try and get Pochettino back from PSG um, in the summer and therefore wants to get rid of Conte. When, do we believe this? I mean, it, it would seem crazy. You would bring a manager in like Conte, having already tried to get him in once to then try and offload him when he's not even had one full season mm. but able to spend money. I just don't see it especially like, as he's going to United. The only way I <laughs> the only way I see Conte Conte leaving is if things turn really sour on the pitch and results don't improve or if Daniel Levy goes back on his word because he would as we said before he would have promised Conte money to spend. Exactly. If he goes back on his word and gives Conte nothing, then he'll walk.
2: Yeah, we all know what type of manager Conte is. Like it, he'll he'll win you trophies if you give him what he wants.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think there's again the He's, been he's a not
2: bit, afraid um, to
0: speak his mind. Well, no, but say. on that on that point, he's been a little cryptic at times with what he's been saying. And I think the media are taking it out, again, criticising the media, mm. they're taking it yeah. out of context because there was one comment that he said where it was something along the lines of, I'm not used to this or I've not been in this position before. But what he's talking about is not being challenging for a title. He, mm. doesn't, he doesn't mean you know, being at a bad club with bad players. He's talking about being at a club that's in need of a little bit of a rebirth, a little bit of a reshuffle, some more investment, and even the, the media are saying like you well, you've sold four players and only brought in two and it's like yeah but I've got rid of four players that weren't doing anything and I brought in mm-hmm. two players who have not been amazing at their clubs but I think the general consensus is that they've got potential to be could good, good players it's like to be a good like, signing. Um, yeah, so. Bentancur yeah. has shown in yeah. moments as well that he could be decent. So part of me actually thinks that if we if Spurs can get to the end of the season, even if they end up. Europa League or even the Conference League again, mm. Conte will draw players in. If he's got the money to play, Conte's name alone will draw people in. You have contacts, you'll get players in. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd go as far to say that it'd be quite an exciting time to be a Spurs fan. Yeah, I think if, so. Uh, if, if, if things play out how we expect them to, that Conte's going to throw some money down or is going to throw some money down and Conte can bring in some players. Let's see what Conte can do with a couple of extra good quality players in mm, there. A, a full pre season with his players. I'd fully give
1: him the rest of the um, season. I, I think,
0: think the fans would turn on Levy before they turn on Conte. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good shout. Um, and I think if he can get Harry, because Harry Kane has already said that he, he's looking to see or looking for assurances for what Levy mm. and Conte are planning in the summer. Mm. Um, I, I am almost certain that Kane does not want another repeat of the mm. media storm that came his way last summer. Yeah. Um, so he will he will want assurances before he does anything like remotely like that again that, mm-hmm. you know, things are going to improve and things mm-hmm. are going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I don't think he's going to have a choice because I don't think there's any club that's going to come in for him. And I think City have already made their mind up as to yeah. what they're going to do in the summer anyway. So, yeah. Um, and from the title point of view, um, does keep things a little bit interesting. So now if we look at the table, if Liverpool win their game in hand, uh, they will be just the three points
1: Oh, my God. Behind Manchester
0: Ooh. City. Um, Liverpool, as we said, made a little bit hard work of Norwich at the weekend, but got over the line in the end. In, in the end, the scoreline made it look a little bit more comfortable than it, it was, I think, at one point. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really crazy, isn't it? Because Man City have been on this ridiculous run, and we've almost forgotten about Liverpool because the narrative has just been you know city city are uh, yeah. di- disappearing off mm. in the distance and all of a sudden they've had one or two i think they've lost one and drawn one of their last four whereas liverpool have been have been winning games all of a sudden before you realize it we're back to within three points where because again goal difference is so similar you know one win and one loss for city and all of a sudden liverpool are on top on top of the tree mm. so excited now what do we think do we do we still think city are going to see this through i, I think, think so
2: pretty. yeah um they're banging squad. Yeah, I mean, they just, the rotation they've got on that team is just unbelievable. But, but that Diaz looks like a good sign in for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, and obviously with Jota now being injured for a little bit. Um, a couple of big games coming. Obviously, we've got the Sunday the 6th of March, we've got the Manchester derby. That's always a little bit of a lottery, although City mm-hmm. have been... You know, you would expect City to win on paper, but United have had the better of them, actually, in one or two of the yeah. more recent ones. Is that an excellent...
1: No, that's in a couple of weeks.
0: A couple of weeks' time. Um, but the big one, 9th of April, as things stand, that might get moved for TV coverage, depending on. It's a three o'clock kickoff. I can't imagine that won't be on TV. So that'll probably get moved. But Man City against Liverpool at the SE had. I mean, it may well come down to that game. Mm. Um, it, because both teams have been so consistent um, that that game, if, if Liverpool win their game in hand with three points and gives them three points behind, depending on where we are with goal difference, that game could be. Yeah, that will put them level. I mean, we're, we're talking hypothetical here, of yeah. course, but um, if that was to put them level, my God, what what an end to the season we would have. It would be like the Formula 1 last season with Verstappen <laughs> and, and Hamilton going into the last, uh, last race of the season, level on points. Let's hope that the um, the FA don't come in and change the rules yeah. for one of the two teams, but that's a different podcast conversation. That So, but no, I, I don't know. Part of me just thinks that there's more twists and tails in this. I don't know. I, I, I might be different and just say I fancy Liverpool. I don't know why.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. In own. Mm-hmm. Not for any particular reason, I just I don't know. I, I'm, maybe it's because I'm just desperate to try and make my point about the whole city striker <laughs> thing. But I don't know. Hey. We'll, we'll we'll see. But, I mean, Even if
1: City don't win it,
0: it doesn't mean... This <laughs> <laughs> is true, yeah. It doesn't mean that my point is valid in the slightest. So anyway, um, yeah, good stuff for the, for the Premier League title, good for the neutrals and all yeah. that. Um, I We all were expecting Chelsea to be very much in there, but, I mean, they are so far off early. the pace now. They're 13 points off the lead with a game in hand, they could bring it back to 10. But, I mean, at the moment, if Chelsea... I mean, they've won the last two. They've perhaps settled themselves in that third spot a bit more now, but there was at one point where... Even top four was just beginning to look a little ropey for them because everyone mm-hmm. else was closing in on them. But mm-hmm. um, indeed, uh, we haven't talked about Wolves tonight or the, or the Leicester game, but we will talk about both of them again soon because Wolves are flying right now and Leicester are not flying. Yeah, um, still, no, still no talk about uh, about uh, brother Brendan um, about
2: his job. But Seems pretty safe, doesn't he? There's yeah. not really been strangely West,
0: strangely safe. They've yeah. got games now, which if they win, that would you know put them back in the top half of the table. But it's a uh, yeah, it's a tricky one for them. Right, let's look to round out the show. And first of all, we'll start with this. Down the stat, man!
2: Tottenham's Dejan Kulusevski was the fourth Swedish player to score on his first Premier League start. But can you name
0: the other three? Well, let's start with the obvious one, which is Latan. Yep. Yeah. Um, 1999, I will take a stab at Freddie Jungberg. No. Good shout, though. Okay. Can you tell me a team? Yeah, Charlton. Johansson? No. Haridison?
2: To be honest, it sounds like a very English name.
0: Oh, is it? Okay, um, I probably wouldn't get it there. Go on.
2: Martin Pringle.
0: Martin Pringle? Mm. Yeah. No, I don't remember him at all. Uh, and then the other one was 2000... 2008. Seb Larson? Nope. Do you want the team? Go on him. Bolton. Oh, um... Oh, it's the striker, isn't it? Mm. Uh, what's his name? I can see his face. He had like like crazy, <laughs> moppy hair. Oh, God. I can't think of his name.
2: Begins with an E. It's
0: a good thing we're not playing the uh, second season of Football Fra- <laughs> we Frank. Go on, what is it? Johan Elmander. Elmander, that's the one. He's got like the crazy hair yeah. it was all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. Excellent. Right, okay. So, I'm not taking it easy on you, Dan. I don't care about your injury. It's time, <laughs> for, this. It's time for this.
1: Welcome back. This week, we're at Old Trafford.
0: Mm. Not to watch the football, I'm presuming, because it's shit out there mm, at <laughs> <not a> the <footballer.
1: laughs> On the red side of Manchester, it's Um No, we're just visiting because you're calling.
0: <laughs> it was a, taking for a little day, day trip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, first location. Chris, oh, me, me, sorry, let
0: me, me get my phone yeah. out quickly. Hold the line, call up.
1: right, we've had loads of time. Sorry,
0: what? sorry. No, 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 no. I'm good. Go, go, go. Uh,
1: first stop is uh, the Etihad.
0: Boom.
1: <laughs> How far away is the Etihad from Old Trafford?
0: Go on then. I've got mine. Who's going first this week?
1: Uh Dan, because you've gone first. I've, I've gone
0: five. Right. I've gone three. Dan, four point eight. Oh. <laughs> oh Dan takes the lead. God. Yeah. Scenes, absolute scenes.
1: <laughs> uh right, second, Royal Albert Hall. Do we know where that is to be mm. Yeah. I think so. We both I think are quite so. Confident
0: um Just an even okay yeah dan 180 that, okay i'm gonna to have to change mine because that's literally what i've put okay. i will go do i think it's more or less uh i will go 200
1: yeah you've got a 209 oh. uh next one hadrian's wall <laughs>
0: bollocks Heard of it, but where is it? Do you know where it is? Roughly. Good.
1: (laughs) I don't know how much that helps, Dan. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh man, I don't know. Okay, we'll go with that. Dan? 150. I've gone two fifty. 133. Where is it? Dunno. Anyone know where Hadrian's <laughs> Wall is? No. Okay. Well, this isn't a geography show, so it don't, don't matter. I don't know exactly. Uh,
1: Brampton, Carlisle, near
0: Carlisle. Oh, okay, so it's north. So that's yeah, on the yeah. Scotland, very north. Scotland border. Okay.
1: Um, so that was down, wasn't it? Uh, Windsor Castle.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Equally, I'm
0: kind of questioning this. So. Questioning what? The mileage? <laughs> what is right. it? Does it say five or something? <laughs> 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 Dad. 300. 120. No, 194. So, um, um,
1: 100.
0: four, oh, by what? Six. six. <laughs> I was going to say, it wasn't by much, was it? 300?
1: Right like,
0: now, anyway, about 26. It's
1: London, isn't it? So, let's think of Royal Albert Hall.
2: Yeah, but from up north, I thought that'd be quite fun. Yeah, but I said
1: Royal Albert Hall was 209.
2: Oh, God, yeah, I didn't even link the two. Wow.
1: Um, Shakespeare's Birthplace.
0: Do you know where that is? I think so. (laughs) I Um, do actually
1: know where this one
0: is. Um... Oh, damn. Okay, I'll go with. Okay, I'll go with that.
1: You, Dan?
0: I just guessed 110. Uh, I've guessed at uh, 185. Dan,
1: 121.
2: Okay. <laughs> where is it?
0: Well, clearly not where I thought oh. it was. So
1: Stratford, Chatford upon Avon.
0: No idea. Okay, no, it's not where I thought it was. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say where I thought it was. I'm <laughs> embarrassing myself.
1: Ben Nevis.
0: always get confused between the names of the two peaks in scotland and in wales i never remember which way around it is i'm pretty sure it's that one so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with that uh dan 300 chris? Oh, one, 320
1: chris 321
0: oh nearly a bang on one Right. So it all hinges on this one. It's three all. Oh, is it? Yeah.
1: Last one. Cheddar Gorge.
0: Oh, bollocks. <laughs> hey. Do you know where that is? <laughs> what horrific indictment on the British education system this, this uh, quiz is. Um, I mean, this is a complete guess. I've just gone 200. That's oh, what I guess. Okay, hang on. Um, I'll go with... Fuck it. I'll go with 250. Dan. Dan's got
1: it 193
0: Ooh. where is it Somerset Somerset, Somerset. Okay. <laughs> there we go so what's that 4-2 4-2 four, two. Four two, yeah. four two. Four two. he's keeping in touch well done mate well called a little
2: bit of pride back <laughs>
0: <That was funny. laughs> even though well, most
2: of them are all guesses you've
0: had a rough week mate so uh, <laughs> I <just wanted> to <laughs> cheer you up a bit that no mercy
2: attitude's <laughs> gone a bit uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Tail between his legs running away <laughs> excellent right well thank you very much everyone for listening Um, I don't think there's anything we wanted to I don't think there's anything we wanted to touch on the only thing I wanted to mention was I know that we've been
2: really to look at the fantasy table at all
0: I did say that yes but I'm not Mm. going to do it now because it's too late in the show but yes I will put that in the show in the show running for next week Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I just wanted to say that I know we've been really rubbish with social media we've had a couple of of chats uh, here at the show to try and address that um, we do now have uh, someone in the show who's got some spare time. Uh, he might be able to help out with some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, I mean, we 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 do, we are keen to, uh, to try and push this around. So uh, any help with that would be massively appreciated. So if you're listening on iTunes, please do leave us a review. Um, if you're seeing the posts on social media, which we're going to try and do more of, then please share them around. Help us get some more listeners and yeah, help us, help us grow and, 75 episodes in now we're not um, you know that far away we're just you know just less than half a year away potentially from a 100 landmark which mm. seems crazy we've got that far already, given that we're only a weekly show i know we've done one or two extras here and there but we've also had a break from football with when yeah. the football and the euros finished so yeah it's uh it's a big number we're, we're proud to have got where we got to but we want to keep growing want to get more listeners in so any help with that any feedback you can give us any um you know, things you do and don't like, any ideas, feel free to email them in or comment on our social media. And, of course, we will take them into consideration. So, other than that, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.